<clears throat> community, as used here, is about the experience of belonging. We are in community each time we find a place where we belong. The word belong has two meanings. First and foremost, to belong is to be related to and a part of something. It is membership. The experience of being at home in the broadest sense of the phrase. It is the opposite of thinking that wherever I am, I would be better off somewhere else. Or that I am still forever wandering, looking for that place where I belong. The opposite of belonging is to feel isolated, and always, always, on the margin, an outsider. To belong is to know, even in the middle of the night, that I am among friends. One goal in exploring the concepts and methods of community building in this book is to increase the amount of belonging or relatedness that exists in the world. Experiencing this kind of friendship, hospitality, conviviality is not easy or natural in the world we now live in. The second meaning of the word belong has to do with being an owner. Something belongs to me. To belong to a community is to act as a creator and co-owner of that community. What I consider mine, I will build and nurture. The work, then, is to seek in our communities a wider and deeper sense of emotional ownership. It means fostering among all of a community's citizens a sense of ownership and accountability. Belonging can also be thought of as a longing to be. Being is our capacity to find our deeper purpose in all that we do. It is the capacity to be present and to discover our authenticity and whole selves. This is often thought of as an individual capacity, but it is also a community capacity. Community is the container within which our longing is to be fulfilled. Without the connectedness of a community, we will continue to choose not to be. I have always been touched by the term beloved community. This is often expressed in a spiritual context, but it is also possible in the secular aspects of our everyday life. Oh, hey, I didn't see you come in there. Don't mind me. I was just interviewing the author who inspired this podcast. Peter Block is the guy who wrote the words I was just reading. Peter lives in Cincinnati, where he is a retired organizational development consultant, uh, turned author, and community activist isn't really the right word. He's like a community counterculture promoter. Counterculture, a community counterculture proponent is probably more accurate. In this episode, we discuss the why and how of acting on what is important and some of the changes in language that facilitate community transformation and why it can be important to bring that to the world. While discussing what is important, we also open a box of sealed Pokemon trading cards. So stay tuned for that. Maybe we get a holographic Magikarp. I'm kidding, obviously. We don't do that. Uh, Pokemon are stupid. But you should stay tuned because this is a milestone episode. This is my 10th episode. I'm interviewing a foundational member or inspiration in Peter Block. And we've just reached uh, a thousand total downloads, which I guess in the, in the world of YouTube videos where uh, somebody petting a donkey <laughs> gets 12 million views, 
I watch those too, but it gets 12 million views. Maybe a thousand doesn't sound like a lot, but a thousand, uh, episode downloads for someone who's never done anything like this before, uh, for me is astounding. This podcast is only, uh, at the time I'm recording this 40 days old. So in celebration of that, at the end, I actually do have something to celebrate. And yes, it's real. It's not a troll. So yeah, stay tuned for that. It's Pikachu. Me me and Pikachu and Fibadonk. Fibadonk and Burgle Mark are all together in our little ship's captain's hats and we have a, a battle. It's It's like, oh my God. Okay, here's Peter. Hello, Peter. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. And how are you doing? I'm doing great. And I'm thrilled you asked me. I'm thrilled you said yes. Uh, and one of the reasons is, I'm not sure how much you're aware, is uh, when I started this podcast, it's in the space for the Cardano cryptocurrency, I realized that there was a uh, a gap in the community for the type of conversations that uh, that I believe you promote and like to have. Uh, in and around their governance model and their venture capital arm and all that sort of thing. And I thought, uh, nobody's having this conversation. I'm already aware of, of Peter Block's work as an author. And uh, wouldn't it be great? To me, this is a ready-built audience, right? So I, I didn't really have to go through a lot of those uh, growing pains of only having, say, five people listen to an episode and, and sort of thing. Like there's already just a tiny bit of more heat on per episode than that. Uh, not that this is a huge, a huge podcast by any means, but you know what I mean? Uh, so I was very thrilled to have you here. Um, I don't know how much you know of the cryptocurrency environment, uh, other than I'm sure what's in the media. Um, but I thought getting your perspective on ret- retributive versus restorative communities and and uh, the different attitudes of that uh, is an important conversation in any uh, niche. It's, so, a, big, it's, uh, a, it's a big world. I'm trying to learn about it as, since it was named after me, blockchain, you know. But, <laughs> I never realized that you were the, the guy who originated blockchain, Peter Blockchain. But I'm thrilled to, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's an alternative belief system, alternative structure. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested in why do you think this is so appealing to people? Why does this matter? Why are people drawn uh, to the idea of uh, self sovereignty, for example? And, uh, mm-hmm. So that's kind of the question I have. But I'll answer your questions first, if you like. Oh, um, sure. And obviously, we can uh, we can go back and forth. I was gonna get. I was gonna ask you. Again, because I'm excited and I know who you are, uh, but maybe my audience doesn't. So uh, if I was Conan O'Brien and you were on my Conan O'Brien TV show, uh, would you shamelessly plug yourself for a minute and, and let everyone know who you are? Uh, <clears throat> I studied finance and engineering because I wanted to make a living. Okay. And then I bumped into this field called organization development. I liked it because it was so countercultural. I can make a living arguing for an alternative kind of uh, alternative to patriarchy and high control systems and worlds that I not only knew about, but embodied, you know. And so in my 20s, I discovered there was this field and 
I liked it and I worked for Exxon and I wasn't really built to work for anybody because I'm too stubborn and arrogant. I don't know what that's like at all, but. And so when I was 26, Tony and I started a business and for some reason we caught a wave that had nothing to do with what we'd created. And so team building, organizational change, it's all been a long effort to try to humanize workplaces, structures, ways of being together. And, uh, Halfway through, I got interested in neighborhoods and communities. So I wrote a book called Community Structure Belonging. And all my books have done well for some reason. You know, I, every time you turn one in, you know it's a fraudulent act. Okay. And uh, one reviewer nailed it. They said, Block has no data. He has no evidence for anything he says. And I wrote back and I said, thank you. I feel understood. And uh, <laughs> I feel seen and understood. And so lately, you know, the community world has become more important and the civic world more important and institutions. And so, you know, what I'm working on now is the common good. You know, I'm kind of going after the basic narrative we have of faster, bigger, more, lower cost at all expense and saying, wait, the privatized, neoliberal, Milton Friedman economic world has too high a cost to pay. And Bretton Woods and Davos and all those places. And I, my sense is that the blockchain organizational movement is also trying to create an alternative to what we've all grown up with and, and inherited, which is kind of yeah. the, the, the goals are corrupt. They're not worthy. Most people work for large organizations. They love each other. The organizations are fine, but the purpose is kind of questionable. What's the point of making more money? What, how much is enough? And so what we're really trying, what I'm trying to say with the common good, why don't we create an alternative to a consumer culture? Why don't we stop measuring mm -hmm. people by their average annual income? And why don't we stop labeling people according to their deficiencies and what's wrong with them? And to me, this kind of alternative narrative, if that grew out of cryptocurrency and blockchain, it, it would be a powerful, powerful thing. Say you don't have to live inside the consumer, never enough, you know, high. And then it, then it takes you anywhere. You know, activists, advocates. I got a call from the Mission Rural Caucus for the Democratic Party. I live in Cincinnati. I don't, I don't know what that is, I unfortunately. I'm from I don't Canada. either. <laughs> it sounds important. You know what Democrats are. So it's a political yeah, party. Sort of. And they say that the way we're doing our campaigning is driving our communities apart. Now, you, being in Edmonton, you live in God's country. Mm -hmm. You don't get the intensity of that. And so here's a campaign. Not like you guys yeah, know. Here's a campaign group activist saying what we're doing isn't working. We have to find a way to bring people together, especially strangers. I, I was in uh, Vancouver once, and uh, they said, Peter, we'd like, would you come and talk to us about immigrants? And I thought, here we go. And so, Vancouver is, uh, is, is multicultural, very multicultural. Well, I, and I got nervous because in the United States, immigrants are a problem. I got in the yeah. room and they said, yeah, we don't think we're welcoming enough. Oh my oh. God! I just 
taste yeah. of heaven. Interesting uh, cultural difference there. Cute. I mean, where I'm from, we have a little bit of that narrative too, just because of uh, it's hard not to describe it without going into the stereotypes of, uh, you know, this is more of a cold Texas sometimes. You know, that's the best way I can describe it to an American. We're cold Texas um, on hockey skates. And uh, so sometimes we have uh, a lot of the same sort of rhetoric, it feels yeah, like. And it's it's dispersed a tiny bit as well. Yeah. But decades of, of uh, very conservative governments and stuff like that. But you're just a more civil society, more civil culture. That's my uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It, you're probably right. I mean, we don't. I don't have as much experience uh, with Americans. Everything I see from from Americans is on is on TV and internet and and media. So it's like we just sort of. It's like that meme where you're standing and looking over the fence and saying, "What the hell's going on over there?" You know what I mean? And it looks like it just kind of is the way it is. Uh, and and we do feel like we're a little bit different. But I don't want to let that get to our heads and say that we don't have these same yeah. problems. Like like when, listening to you uh, discuss. Uh, what brought you to where you're at? Um, you know, we have that same retributive, uh, I have a hard time saying it, uh, retrib retributive, uh, instinct, um, yeah. instinct. And it's very strong with me myself. And I have to always kind of like keep checking myself and, and even then it doesn't work. And, and it ends up being like, uh, like the only party I want to vote for ha would have a guillotine symbol. You know what I mean? I'm from France in the 1700s or whatever that was. That's the only party I've ever trusted. Uh, and even if they take my head too, all right, man, you know what I mean? Like I really do. Uh, and then I get like, okay, I'm not really participating. I was thinking about our conversation and this self-sovereignty mm -hmm. world, the blockchain world, the distributed organization that four people in the middle and everybody else is on, you know, connected in some way. And so what that does It'll, it, and you wrote it in your notes, you know, it keeps some centralized authority from making mm -hmm. decisions that are not in the common good or not in the common interest. And so it's a decentralizing power. And that's yeah. probably a pump of its appeal. And then what people will realize is what you just said, is that the, the real patriarch is inside each of us. And and, yeah. and you, what you're asking people is to confront their own freedom. This is the uh, for the sake of a, an accountable people that are accountable for something larger than their own small interests. But it's mm -hmm. collectively we can do something about that. You know, individually we're all human beings. So what do you? Um, I guess uh, in in preparing for this interview. I re-listened to Community, uh, just uh, uh, on Audible, and uh, I have three of your books. I've only read two of them. The other one's the consulting one, and it's just sitting there in my time that I don't have stacked. You'll never get to it. Uh, Someday never comes. No, I believe you. I know that, but it's right there on my dresser. Um, so, in in listening to that again, uh, near the beginning of the book, there's discussion about. Our traditional approach to problems, uh, your work is in, in neighborhoods and you're talking about neighborhoods and that kind of thing in the book. Uh, our traditional approach to problems and uh, why that doesn't work. Uh, can you give us a summary of that type of approach well, that we typically the, the, do and describe? Uh, 
take any issue you want. People want to do a diagnosis of problems. What's wrong? How do I fix it? Every newspaper's organ, investigative journalism. Who, what's wrong and who made a mistake? Uh, it doesn't take you anywhere. It can stop things, but it doesn't create anything. You can't problem solve your way into an alternative future. It just makes things a little better. Because if you're still living in the old narrative, the old story, the top management is cause and everybody else is effect. Parent is cause, teacher is cause. If you live in that story, then what are you going to reform? You know, make top management a little kinder, make eye contact. Mm. That's what we do with executives. Make eye contact, listen a little bit, say, say hello, hello, walk around. Yeah. If they still think, if we all believe that they are cause, they are essential. And when I was consulting people, don't you want to talk to top management? I said, why? They're imprisoned by our expectations. And so problem solving, deficiency mindedness is our habit. And also a way, it's a way to make money. I come to you and can prove you got a problem and I got a solution. I'm in business. I had a yeah. friend call me, work for the government. He said, we just had a, Accenture or some consulting firm and they gave us a C. Peter, would you come in because we think we're A, an A. And I, and I, I said, uh, you know what, I'm going to give you an A and I won't even have to come. You have an A. That, that's the whole mindset is to show them with someone. So it's, it's an economic drive to the deficiency. Every social service agency got to call people something. Yeah, there's a compromised interest there in, in diagnosing a problem that maybe is uh, possibly exaggerated well, or something. Most so. advertising does that. But in the beginning mm -hmm. and end of the ad, I've been promised immortality. So it sounds like uh, you're alluding, therefore, to a solution of uh, changing the story. Amen. That's all. That's all. Change it. So, that's the only thing. The narrative, the story, the governing story. For individuals and collectively. So what's what's involved with that? I know that's a bit of a loaded question. That is the process. But is, is to look at human beings and say, what are they good at? Starting with, at, would you call that starting with assets? Or is that still asset a little bit too? Basically, yeah, that's one of the words it's called. With people's gifts. There's no such thing, for example, as a homeless person. Now, I don't know whether that's a big issue where you live, but... It's on people's minds. Getting a bit worse, yeah. So what does that mean? So a friend of mine said, I'd like you to meet John. He's homeless. What am I going to do? Say, my name's Peter and I'm housed. Okay, so that narrative doesn't take us anywhere. Instead, you ask somebody, what are you good at? He says, I can sing. Well, I'd like to hear you sing. And so in the community, in the self-sovereignty world, you're saying, what are we good at? Forget about what you're working on. Because all that does is, is outsource your accountability to some other kind of solution. You are enough. I have enough. That's the new narrative. Yeah, you know what? That kind of reminds me. It's a little bit lighter of a of an example, but it reminds me of my aunt. This is my this is my uh, nephew Dallas. He's single. Right? She's always trying to set me Aren't up you, or something to that effect. It seems uh, innocuous, but you're like, okay, wait, could you just, what? Could you just stop for a minute? You this know tells I mean? you how she's, who she, you are. Defective. 
first thing yeah, that comes it's to it's mind is poor soul. He's still singing. He hasn't. And yeah. that's exactly the point. And wherever you go, mm-hmm. that way, if you talk about people as deficiencies, that's what you get. What you see. I love her to bits, but, uh, but so she means well. It's just that that, you know, allows you to say, well, that's not how you define yourself. Fine. Mm-hmm. People are going to project their issues onto you, and especially the more popular this podcast takes off. Everybody's going to have an opinion about who you are. Same with me. Oh, sure. And, and, and uh, you will learn that it means nothing. Dark side and light side. I've had people get really angry with me. And I learned it's got nothing to do with who I am. So when people get really mad and disappointed in me, I just say, good point. And and it probably often is. I Not to insult, but I mean, realistically, you're just a I'm guy. A human right? being. And yeah. Period. And this crypto space is, is already, I just want to take the easy route and call it toxic, but it's already like that in, in a lot of ways with uh, the tribalism. They call it tribalism, right? This coin is the best coin. That coin is the this best coin. Meanwhile, the, the world's burning and on fire, but we're all fighting over which coin is going to make us the most money. Yeah. Or, or, you know what I mean? That, that effect captures everything. It's a beautiful statement. We're fighting over the wrong thing. It's the elite and the well-off. Is that the elite and the well-off that are arguing. And it's just, it starts in the first grade where I come from. You know, I had friends and we went to the first grade and all of a sudden I had competitors. Some got A's mm. and some got D's. I was a B student. I needed somebody to get a D to make my B easier to get. So that's at age seven. So what you're trying to do, my guess, because you're talking to me, is create an alternative. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more selfish than that. I, I, as I, the more I get into it, the more I realize it's my own uh, uh, malignant thinking that's always in my own way. Right. And so any conversations I'm having, like, for example, I would vote for the guillotine party. That's actually not going to solve a lot, although it feels like it might. It says Um, something about your worldview and your own woundedness. And that community world says that we're all wounded. We're wounded at the moment of birth. And all you have to do is kind of get it. And then when you see it, it loses its power. It doesn't go away. You're, you're going to love that guillotine for the rest of your life. But it won't mean so much. And uh, that's why we need each other. That's why there's more civility and communalism in Canada as a culture. It's just not, and, uh, you, you may not know it, but uh, that's the community work, is to say, I I can't show up and pretend I have no wounds or guillotines inside me. But let's talk about what you and I want to create together. What are you good at? What am I good at? What's Mm -hmm. the future we want to create? And get off the deficiency stuff. It never goes away. So um, can we talk for a minute about uh, the restorative perspective is Mm -hmm. what I uh, call it. And and how, um, I guess, and how you try to promote that in your work and communicate that to people in a way that um, maybe they will also perpetuate it. It, It's beautiful. You know, restorative justice is where is the most concrete expression I've seen of that. 
And that says you take when there's a somebody did something wrong, first step is to admit it, acknowledge I did it. Second step is to say I won't do it again. Third step is to say I'm sorry. And fourth step is what, what can we do to provide some restoration of the harm that I participated in. And so restorative practice, restorative culture, restorative justice is a organized form of forgiveness so we can move on. And that's, I love that language. So you're talking about uh, dissolving resentments. Uh, working it largely. out. Yeah. yeah. Resentment, anger. Uh, one of the conversations that I've kind of been playing with is one of uh, dissent. And we all have a right to say no. The problem with high control centralized institutions is you can't say no. In the world that you're playing in, probably saying no is easier. Uh, but another part of it is to say is what's the forgiveness you're willing, unwilling to offer? Now, that's life-changing. If I ever decided I could forgive whoever, then I'm owning my life. That's what I mean. A lot of the community work is helping people say, well, we can create. We don't have to wait for the mayor's transformation. I'm not waiting for the police to be transformed. I don't, race is not going to disappear because of training on unconscious bias. Those are different. Probably just make it worse. Yeah. What will make a difference is what you're playing in. You're playing in the economic domain, in an organizational domain that says, let's distribute our economics and let people have control over their financial life. That's the sentence I'm betting my life on right now, is what can we do in these neighborhoods, in the city that I live in, country I live in, in the world that I live in, that gives people a little more control over their own financial well-being. That's what I'm writing about now. So you're writing uh, another another book, another project. Yes. Can you allude to it at all? I'm I'm a fan, right? So I would be looking for it. it but I know in the book world, it might not be ready for a while. No, it'll be ready when I finish it. But it's about the common good, curriculum for the common good. Suppose we created a different narrative than the typical economic, social service, philanthropy, charity. Go anywhere you want. Schools, none of them are reducing wealth inequality. Okay, so it's just no, well-meaning people, but it's just not working. And so this is curriculum and say, well, why don't we create an alternative economic narrative? It's not based on scarcity, growth, scale, efficiency. Why don't we create a cooperative economy? Why don't we create a collaborative economy? Why don't we Make economics a small part of our conversation. Why don't we stop calling people according to their income? Or whether they're single or married. You know, it's a, mm. And so that's it's about the economy. It's about faith. Faith community has participated deeply in the predatory world that we live in. They're on board, you know. And so you know, a lot of the audience for my work now is... is Faith community decide how they act on what they believed in for years. And the churches are kind of empty. What about journalism? Mm-hmm. There's people creating alternative journalism. This is what the book's about. Journalism, architecture, faith, and economics. And saying, why don't we say, well, 
if we care and commit it to the common good instead of the private interest, private sector. Uh, and it's happening everywhere. It's just not called news. So there is um, even just I'm I'm a I work with blue collar job and that sort of thing. I'm not uh, deeply involved in uh, call it alternative economics. Uh, I'm I'm aware of a local person who I believe is a friend of yours, Mark Anelsky. Yeah. Who's a, who's a local professor, uh, and and he's doing work about the um, an actual work in in communities here in Alberta with real people in in real boardrooms and stuff like that about the uh, economics of well being and and that's just one example in this little micro case that just happens to be in my backyard, but there's all kinds of examples of little specks of that popping up here and there and then here and there like almost like a like little weeds in a lawn. And, uh, and interestingly too, there's a, an ethic somewhere in the community of Cardano that's not only, uh, interested in their self-interest and the technology of it or whether or not their coins are going to go to the moon. But, uh, in that, uh, proliferation of prosperity that's possible, not only in our own backyard with the weeds popping out, but in the desert across the ocean, with people of a different skin color and a different religion and a terrible government or maybe a good government, but in terrible situations or whatever. And the place is called Africa or the place is called Mongolia. And, and it's might as well be Mars. You know what I mean? It's so different. And, uh, and so I do see that popping up. And what's interesting is there's unfortunately doesn't seem to be a cohesive way to get uh, a vision around that. It, it, where where everyone sort of agrees to put their efforts and and so you have myself here and I think this is important and then you're Peter Block and you're over there and you but you think that the other thing's important. Meanwhile, I'm influenced by my own uh, patriarchal colonial uh, hate <laughs> for for whatever, right? And so like when rich people speak up, it's like I don't trust you anyways, and so your opinion sucks. And what's really important is uh, security and this person thinks it's privacy and this person thinks that it's a uh, commercial adoption and this person thinks that it's efficiency. Um, See, that conversation is based on a variety of opinions and they mean nothing. It's just nice. It's kind of, it's, it's fun. But what I'm, yeah. the purpose of my book is just what you described. I say there's something larger here that brings us all together. And I'm we're calling it the common good, but I'm saying it calls for a certain kind of leadership also. And that's what you're doing. See, I, I would um, say what you're up to is pulling those little hints of the future together, an alternative future. And uh, that's the common good. And I like it because it hasn't been politicized yet. There's just a lot of people caring about it that nobody knows it. David Cawley is a Canadian broadcaster, okay, very well known. And I invited him to a project once, and he said, no, I don't want to do it. And I said, that's fine. He said, yeah, you and your friends, you're all honored and ignored. And I thought, good point. So what you're doing with your podcast is 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 a convening function and that's amazing 
and and I thought I just saw a gap in the in the market of people. But we all had the wrong reason for everything we started. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's true. Uh, so I wanted to also discuss um, because the conversations happening in the background at Cardano are functioning uh, interestingly because we're building this as we're going. It it really is like everyone sort of describes in one way or another, jumping out of the plane and sewing the parachute on the way down um, while trying to achieve these lofty goals and unify the perspectives or whatever of, of a lot of people with 20% of the people doing 80% of the work, all, all of those problems and common uh, occurrences are there in the background of the Cardano community, as far as I can see it. And my first uh, introduction to your work was with a, a different book. Uh, the answer to how is why, or is yes. No, yes is yes. And a very challenging book to first yeah. read. Uh, so, and I, I've been sort of trying to hint at this in, in my understanding of it, hint at this in a lot of my conversations that I have, you know, if I'm participating in the community in any way, not only in a formal podcast like this, uh, but just in the sort of way I'm approaching Life. my whole version of this project. And so, yeah. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, outside of my four walls as well. Um, but can you describe a little bit your philosophy behind the answer to how is, uh, yes, maybe starting with, uh, the, the error of starting with how too quickly. Uh, how is arguing, always arguing against an alternative future. Anything really happening. I, from years of consulting and <clears throat> whatever, you know, you say, well, why don't we create a more engaged employee population? Why don't we get people on the margin? And they say, where is it working? I know right then that this idea is not going well. And then they say, and how would you do that? And uh, what the book was about was to say, why don't we talk about purpose? What's the point? What do you care about? What kind of world do you want to inhabit? What kind of organization do you want to lead or be part of? And then we'll find out about methodology. And if it's, you can't import tomorrow from another place. So all those questions of practicality. You can't engineer the future. You're making this up as you're going along. That means you're alive. It doesn't mean you're naive or unprepared. Why would you want a life your aunt has something in mind for your life, and marriage is a pretty big part of it, okay? And if you got married, she would she hope you'd be happy, but that wasn't wasn't critical. And so your blueprint future doesn't create anything new. It's fine. Please, if you're building a bridge, can, I want to build a bridge while I'm driving over it. All right. But the fact that you're trying to imagine the world you want to inhabit to me is what's driving what you're doing. And the uh -huh. blockchain culture, the Cardano culture, whatever, you know, and then uh, I want to live in that world. Even at my age, I'm, you know, my future is gone. It's behind me. I, my bucket's empty. It doesn't matter. You say, well, okay, now what? What do we want? And that's, you're experiencing the anxiety of being, choosing freedom over safety. And what's hard for people in power is that 
They, people want them to provide safety. And it's always a lie. It's always a lie. I know, I know it's good for you. I'm in your best interest. It's always- that's their entire campaign strategy is to talk about how they'll make you safe. Exactly. And that's a lie. That's every ad makes me immortal, makes me healthy, makes me attractive. Mm-hmm. Chicka, chicka, mid-roll. Have you or a loved one ever been ripped off by an extra lame box of Pokemon trading cards? If so, you may be entitled to fat stacks of mad cash. If you've ever gotten two Smurglodons in a single package, or had a misprint like the famous Trefmingo ankle watch on the wrong leg, then you likely have a case for sweet litigation. Call our legal consultants now at 1-800-555-LAME. That's 1-800-555-LAME. Once again, that's 1-800-555-L-A-M-E. And see if you're missing out on stacks and racks. No one deserves a Cintron package filler with his little mustache and monocle. Stand up for yourself today and demand somebody do something. We're here for you. That's not a world I want to inhabit. I'm, I'm, you know. And so I love what you're doing. That's why I said yes. I could see it in your words. If not that you read the damn books, I think you're trying to create an alternative kind of world and your community is too. And of course, they'll find the devil inside of them. But so what? It's not only your, nobody's interested. Family is, mm-hmm. forget it. Well, I've got these weaknesses. I'm, I'm, I embody, people say, Peter, you're such a patriarchy. I said, I know. That's why I wrote a book on empowerment. I wouldn't <laughs> understand it so well if it wasn't in me. But stop working on yourself. Too much of our transformational conversation is inside out. Be the change you want to be in the world. Seeing the world is gone. Mm-hmm. No, it's out. I need you. I need this conversation. I need your podcast. We need. And then the way you come together makes a difference. So, Yeah. As I get uh, a little bit older, um, I, I ascribe it to my own, uh, you know, difference of my mentality that I had, say, in my early 30s or whatever. I realize um, that life is confronting me with a uh, – call it an opportunity to experience developing the skill set of belonging. And you said the keyword too, which I had forgotten about aliveness, um, which are like, if you come from a, any background and, and me still holding on to my story, uh, you know, my early years were challenging and now I'm in a place where, it's not as challenging, but my mentality is still from that challenging space. And now I've been confronted with the new, uh, reality of the, say the future that I want to build for myself. And, um, it involves a little bit more, uh, thinking of others. And when I say a little bit more, probably way the hell more (laughs) thinking about the well-being of others in a way that is completely thinking about them before my needs and that sort of thing, putting them before myself and in a way that's, uh, doesn't impede on my, I don't know, safety or security or whatever. And, uh, and I'm calling those the skills of belonging, right? Which is skills I didn't need at first skills. I needed at first was survivorship skills. I needed at first were the ones of self-interest, the same type of patriarch, which, you know, when I get into the, 
So I can listen to the media and I can listen to the patriarchal things or whatever I want and be like, yes, I'm going to align myself with that. And I'm going to put my nose to the uh, grindstone and uh, work like a lunatic and think like a lunatic and, uh, and, and, and get it done. And, uh, and then I got it done to some degree. And, and I realized. Well, I think that's the first phase of life is to say, hey, can I make yeah. it? Because you grow up thinking you were, you were, you faked it. I learned how to get decent grades by making eye contact and smiling. And my last name. Telling them what they totally. wanted to hear. I don't remember anything I learned mm-hmm. in school. I, I learned a lot, but at some point you've answered number one questions. Can I make it? And, and some people slow to launch. Some people in their twenties, they'll have an answer to that question. Now, you know, I discovered in my late twenties for worse or for worse, you know, you're going to make it. <laughs> you learned how to do some stuff, something you cared about. And now, then after that, you say, so what's the point? And what strikes me about what you just went through from the left side to the right side of you, and you're walking into this unknown, but you said yes. Who knows what mess you're in now? Don't glamorize it. Life is messy, mm. you know. Anybody claims victory is not paying attention. Oh, I got it made. Bullshit. I can use that word, but uh, but you saying yes, and it is the quality of aliveness. Christopher Alexander wrote a book called The Pattern Language, and the first thing he says is the key in architecture is to have a quality of aliveness. It's the casualty of colonialism is aliveness, the casualty of the business perspective of scale and speed and cost. You lose your, oh, it commodifies us. You are, and probably your community, are trying to create an alternative to being commodified. Alternative to waiting for somebody else to bless you before your aunt and uncle will be happy. You know, and, uh, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. You're, you're choosing, and that's what belonging means, is how do I create a context? And it's, nobody's ignoring your needs. It's just you realize your needs include other people. And I don't believe in charity. I don't believe in philanthropy. Because as soon as you call yourself, I'm charity or a philanthropist, you think you've made it and those people haven't. I don't live in that mm-hmm. world because I, I haven't either. In 1947, Harry Truman, after winning the Second World War, ha-ha, said, Okay, we, we came through untouched, the United States. And he says, so we're going to help those undeveloped countries to the south. And a friend of mine's Mexico. And he said, until he said that, I didn't know I was undeveloped. I thought I was Mexican. And so that's yeah. the narrative that you're moving away from. You know, it'll stick on me always. But I think that's exciting. That's Choosing freedom with all of its complexity. Yeah, and uh, that's another reason why I was excited to reach out to you, or when you uh, accepted to be on the podcast, is because even just what you said, I don't believe in charity and philanthropy. Uh, my own self, I have my own uh, like ways to interpret that for myself. I, I'm in an agreement. Um, 
I just came up with my own way to, to figure that out. But even in, again, in the Cardano universe, there is that type of ethic going on in the background that we're not here to give handouts to the poor people. We're here to provide them, hopefully, with the financial infrastructure. I mean, the, if, if you have electricity and a bank card and a bank account and an identity, then you can take the money that you have and put it in a bank account. You know what I mean? They don't even have no. that. So, I love that. I, that's, that's the whole, that's what the common good says, that every person has the capacity and needs our help. Now, I believe in generosity, but you can be mm -hmm. generous without seeing the other person as needy. And they aren't even poor people. What does it mean to be poor? As soon as you call somebody poor, you've declared they're broken. They're citizens. They're people that are economically isolated, is the language we're using. And so you're trying to help mm -hmm. them come overcome their economic isolation and your bank card and your cash, go cash and all that kind of stuff. The Philippines, 100 million people, you know, 80, 60 million don't have bank accounts or anything like that, or even ID cards. So I think that's, I love that way I think. And these aren't poor people. These are citizens of these countries and they have lives. And I don't buy that with a racial conversation in the United States. We have a very special history of slavery, which helped fund Europe. You know, when Adam Smith wrote about the, the linen mills of Glasgow, he didn't mention that we're getting cotton for nothing because of slave labor in the United States. Mm. And so I think it's what you're saying is everybody has skills and capacities. How do we help them monetize it? How do we help them participate in a marketplace instead of uh, exploiting them with low, as low cost labor? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, anyway. what would you say? Um, I'm trying to think of a of an arc to to wind this conversation towards the. Uh, not that we're ending already, but um, I don't want to say okay. So, what's the solution, sir? And then just and then. Well, you have you you mentioned it. You're drawn to the idea of belonging, okay? and, yeah. and not a tribal belonging, not about a belonging that's organized around uh, competition or this is me. Not, it, it's a belonging is a place that welcomes the stranger, and if your community, Cardino community, wants to stay alive, it will welcome strangers. Instead of saying, "My, you know, now there's a marketplace, and you you want your, you want to invest well, but you don't have to win over others." And so, I think without a sense of belonging, without a sense of connection, without people knowing who we are, then we're just going to lapse back into a better than yours, a competitive, predatory. You know, a lot of wealthy people I know say, "I." I do well in the morning so I can do good in the afternoon. Save me from that. And the reason you don't like the notion of charity and philanthropy is because it's colonial. The British thought they were doing the Indians a great favor when they colonized them. Stop yeah. that. We're not here to help. We're not here to know what's best for each other. We're here to be with each other and find out what you're good at and say, where does that take us? And I don't care what your economic condition is. You're good at something. I work with a 
public housing here in Cincinnati. You got 21,000 people live there, 11 buildings. 1,000 of them own their own business. I'm sorry, one second. Let me uh, just, you have 21,000 people in 11 buildings? Yeah. I think so. Maybe that sounds backwards. like a lot. Maybe it's 11,000 people in 23 buildings. I think I have it backwards. That still sounds well, like a lot. Well, this is public housing. Is that how, I'm, I'm from Edmonton, I'm from Alberta. Edmonton's the largest city I've lived in. It's got only a million people. I don't know what Cincinnati is. It must be two, no, three, four. No, small. No. Proper. It's got one point two in the general area, three hundred thousand. But in these, there's this huge population, and maybe it's eleven thousand people in twenty three buildings. But they're big buildings. They're t- this is public housing. We warehouse people. Okay. I don't really think we have much of I that. Know, it's not why really I like we will. <laughs> it's not the same. I mean, maybe in the maybe in Toronto and Vancouver. Anyway, the, so the, the point is that these people, you could say, well, they're you know, low income, etc. Baloney. A thousand of them have their own businesses. So that's ten yeah. percent at least. And so, but the labeling, the story we have about them, doesn't make room for that. It says let's, and so that's I think. Your cryptocurrency is in the process of creating an alternative cultural organizational language also. And the word crypto probably came because nobody wanted to name it. Mm. Nobody knows where the damn servers are. There's nobody to blame, damn it. Yeah, it's supposed to be as elusive as as possible in that sense. But Uh, I think you are... You're going to create a language and a way of speaking about belonging and uh, generosity instead of philanthropy, uh, well-being instead of average annual income. That opens up a world for everybody. Now, some people will choose it. Some people won't. Some people are whacked out. Some people actually deserve the guillotine. There are toxic people. and I, I don't know whether the guillotine is the right thing, but... You know, but why organize a society around that? Why are we afraid of those people? Just avoid eye contact. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, you, Dallas, embody that regardless of where you are and what you're doing at the moment. Well, I appreciate the the compliment, uh, and I am trying to. Again, it's selfish. Uh, I'm trying to more exercise that out of myself so I can better function in Make everything you exercise out get stronger. Just stop paying attention to it. I didn't compliment you. I'm making an observation based on our conversation. Okay. Yeah, and that's a that's a good point too. See, all that's that other kind of up and down. But I, I don't exercise anything. That's religious terms. Exercise the devil. I like the devil. Yeah. So did God, you know, he, he, he bet with the devil about Job. So what's going on there? So even, you know, I asked a friend of mine, his Old Testament, I said, he said, I said, what about Cain and Abel? You know, killed his brother. I'm my brother's keeper. And he said, God is still trying to get over that mistake. And so if there's a room for a fallible God, then, then 
there's room for our fallibility, and I just want to get off it. I don't want to work on it. I don't want to think about it. If I'm lonely, therapy is a great way to find a friend that you don't have. Well, you know what? Uh, again, uh, another phase that kind of goes along with my belonging, uh, my thoughts about belonging is that communities are where healing happens. We all try to uh, accomplish healing on our own, uh, maybe even on all different kinds of levels. Uh, going to the gym and working out on the thing by myself, or maybe with one other, you know, someone to make sure I don't crush my neck on a bench press, right? And then, but even then, that's twice as good because now you can work harder and you're safe because you got one other dude that's going to make sure you don't crush your windpipe when you're doing suicide pushes on a, on a bench press. Um, we go to paid professionals for like 200 bucks an hour, uh, you know, to do, to talk about like, uh, how critical your parents were or whatever, um, or how tough high school was, or we do, uh, but like the addicts of the world, the alcoholics and them people, I mean, some of them, I guess, probably do all that stuff. And there is professionals in that space, but like they meet in a church basement and stay sober. And these are Barney Gumbles. These are Simpson characters of, of, of alcoholism. Like they're, we don't know how to deal with that. Except in Vancouver, they do harm reduction and they have safe injection sites. And so why don't we use compassion to deal with people who can't, whose lives are out of control. And uh, you're right. The, what you're talking about is whatever's wrong with me, I think I can outsource the solution. Hire a therapist, hire a school to raise my children. Hire a, to keep. Mm. Stop the outsourcing. A community has functions. A neighborhood has functions. We got a job to do is to raise a child, to keep the place safe, to provide some livelihood for people. You know, to give them a shot. Uh, and and no one ever finds aliveness outside of community, as far as I understand it. I now, agree. again, aliveness, in my experience, is very foreign still. But someday, I don't think it will be. And yeah, it's, uh, it's once you, it, you'll experience it once you decide it matters. And it's different from happiness or getting high or feeling good. This, uh, this, Chris Alexander says that you can tell by the shape of a room whether it encourages aliveness or doesn't. Does it have two entrances? Does it have windows on two sides? And he says that quality of aliveness has to exist in the architect and the carpenter that makes that building. And I would say that what you're doing with your life right now is trying to give form and substance to bring aliveness into the world. That's all. And 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 uh, while trying to resist the the thanking you for the compliment, I agree. Uh, You know what I mean? Like that is kind of what I'm trying to do. And it may not work. Nobody cares. No, I don't care whether you're single or not. I don't care what kind of viral scale you have from your things. Like it doesn't. It's what you. That's what the culture you're a part of wants to understand is it's our effort and commitment to create something that counts. Sometimes we will, sometimes we won't. So what? And uh, Until you come to terms with that, you'll never try anything risky. Who cares about outcomes? That's what I mean by the answer to how. 
is the S is to commit yourself, and then you figure out what you're doing. And if it doesn't work, so what? I, I've been involved, I think, think about 25 different projects I've tried to start over 20 years in Cincinnati. Three have worked, 21. Hmm. And I blame myself for each of those 21. I thought, Peter, if you were more committed, more orderly, more structured, showed up in a different way, if you could judge people, blah, blah. I have a whole story. How boring is that? And so that's what aliveness is. You're up for something. Yeah, quite related to the action itself, yeah. uh, rather than uh, peering through some sort of looking glass to find uh, exactly to to point at the problem. Exactly, yeah. And Narcissa, you know, story saw himself his own reflection in a lake. He fell in love mm-hmm. with what he saw, and he didn't know it was himself. And that's it. And then and then drowned. That was his, that's the tragedy that he couldn't see the love of himself inside himself. So the mirror doesn't help. And looking backwards doesn't help. And history and how he got here doesn't, it's not very, it's, it's interesting. Even your story of struggle when you were 18 and 22 and 27 and 32, most of it's fiction. Things happen to you. Yeah, yeah. But then you tried to give meaning to them. God bless you, but don't. Don't take it as true. People say, well, I want to share my truth. (laughs) Please don't. Bring out out the guillotine, baby. But don't call it truth. (laughs) We're going to tell truth to power. No, you're not. You're not going to tell the truth. And why are you giving those people power? They can't, you know, waiting for the transformation of top management, the Federal Reserve Board, or the prime minister. Get off it. Thank God somebody will take the job. And then... Sometimes it's illegal for them to change. It's illegal for the drug czar to not, uh, you know, to have any sort of compassion or anything like that. Like it's literally built into his, I don't know. There's some sort of legal thing there where he gets like arrested and thrown in jail if he doesn't do his job the way that he does his job or something to that effect. Right. And he's the top guy of the, of the worst, most ineffective social project I've ever witnessed. But the, that's, uh, you know, real estate is the largest industry in the United States. And I call it the real estate cartel because they run it. So, of course, it's built into the law. Of course, it's designed for mm-hmm. the colleges designed to sort and select. Colleges in the U.S. are proud of their rejections. You know, Yale says, we only allow 3.1% in our place. Oh, Harvard's with 3.3. Yes, we, it's insane. We're number one. We're number one. Anyway, I I think what, and probably the cultural appeal of the cryptocurrency world is to experience uh, a different narrative and a different life and a different way of being together. And, uh, Everyone sees the possibilities. The uh, a recent, um, let's call it a crossroads, because I know you like to use the word crossroads in your things. Uh, that I'm seeing uh, is because we are at that point of what do we want to build together, right? It's literally functioning in a jalopy sort of way where regular folk are having influence over what gets funded and built and over what doesn't. Um. But what I'm seeing over and over again is this 
conflict of priorities. And uh, again, 10 million people, 10 million different ideas of what's important. And my strategy has been to suggest, but then I'm always second guessing because I'm like, well, am I just, that sounds like it's me saying I know what's best, but my strategy has been to suggest that we have a, a common set of values that we would elaborate on. You already do. You just need to name them. Things yeah. that matter. There's no argument. Oh, I believe in love. Bullshit. I believe in compassion. No, I believe in generosity. Hey, I'm a forgiveness guy. How about equity? How about social justice? How about economic equity? There's nothing to argue about. It's What you said earlier was opinions, I believe. Well, yeah. that, these are values. Opinions are ridiculous. I mean, have them. But maybe you have you break up into bubbles or segments of people who really care about the planet. People who really care about children, the next generation. People who really care about economic equity. Who really care about ending suffering and migration. And you know, any one of those will take you anywhere you want to go. So it can be segmented into, into things that people micro niches. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And then, then that does make and, sense. And not to argue, but just to say, why don't we talk about what what really matters to us? The community idea, the belonging idea is to talk about what matters. That's that's what I, that was the subtitle. I don't know, I think the answer to how book might have been acting on what matters. Yeah, how to build what yeah. really matters so or something that's, like that. That's what you can do with the voice that you're developing. Mm-hmm. So let's do that then. Yeah. That might be a, a poetic ending for this one. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, so I guess, what is it to you that really matters? Why, what, what made it important for you to be here? And then obviously you can ask me something, uh, as well or whatever, and we can keep going as long as you want. No, I, I have the day off. I took the day off from work. <laughs> you know, uh, I was drawn by your language that I felt that you, I don't know, I'm just drawn by a chance to participate in uh, where people are trying to create an alternative world. That's the room I want to be in every single time. I'm not interested in, you know, I do have a social life. And there are people I've gotten connected. One of my old stories was Peter the Gypsy, wandering Jew. And then I moved to Cincinnati and I've blown that thing up. And, uh, but I just, the way you speak and your language, which I thought was stunning. I, and I, it's a world, you're a world I don't understand. And so any hints or guests or whispers make my day. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, why does this matter to you? Why was it important for you to be in this conversation? Well, this conversation with you uh, specifically was more about, uh, you know, this is kind of in this space of this type of conversation. If there was a Mount Rushmore by default, you're one of the four or something. And I don't know all the actors in this space that might, you know, want to ask this guy or that guy to come on the show. I've been in a little bit of contact with Mark, but, uh, unfortunately that broke down a little bit, but, uh, or maybe there's a guy from the A, 
BCD Foundation, John, John McKnight. McKnight. Awesome. Or, yeah, Cormac. these type of people I'm chasing down. Or you, There's a guy sorry, in Ireland who, called Cormac Russell who's worked with us and John. You know, Mark's a good friend of mine, and uh, I've learned so much from him. You know what? I reached I reached out to him, but uh, I don't know if he's busy or, or what. But he's uh, make the request to me, and I'll have Mark show up. I'll I'll reach out to you uh, outside of the podcast, but uh, the so that's specifically with you specifically because you're kind of like the okay, guy, but, right? But for me to do yeah, this was more. I just. I kind of had in the back of my mind about starting a podcast, um, just based on, uh, you know, my own selfish reasons of trying, I have other side businesses that are going on and stuff like that, but I couldn't get it to go and it didn't have any, it just felt so forced and it was terrible and I just hated it. And then getting into Cardano and I saw the community emerging and I saw the, even though it's, uh, a patchwork quilt, doesn't even look like anything it's not even a square uh but a patchwork fabric of of uh opinions that's kind of all influenced from one of the founders and and he has the same with a lot of the type of speaking of of what we're talking about so that's why the the culture kind of feels like that a little bit but he's also trying to remove himself from the picture he doesn't want to be elon or something you know what i mean he's trying to this is supposed to be its own self-perpetuating thing but anyways and I saw in the space that like, look, these people are, they're already asking how, and that's all, that's as far as I was with your material. They're already asking how, and I kind of already was like, well, who cares? My answer to how is who cares? It's, it's not, yes, it's who cares? Like it's, you're not there yet. And so I was like, I can talk for days about, about with people about, you know, something other than the price on the markets, which just crashed the other day, uh, something other than, um, which coin is best, something other than, you know, I can talk with a guy who is the, within just only starting my podcast a little while ago, uh, you know, who is the perpetuator of the message. One of the guys that perpetuates the message. Um, I can have these meaningful conversations and, uh, you know what? It's kind of easy. This doesn't like, I was a little bit nervous. Oh, I'm talking to Peter. He's an actual author. I've done a couple episodes. I, you know, there's some tedious stuff. I've got to like edit all the audio and get all my little clicks out and little voice things that I screw yeah. up or I like to put stupid jokes in there and, uh, and they probably make people fast forward and they think I'm an idiot. Every conversation like this needs editing, but, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things that strikes me about you, Dallas, is you believe in ideas. And I love that because some people only believe in doing, only believe in that. And I think your community is organized around a set of ideas long before it even became a quilt. And for the guy who started it, uh, I I would say to him, I don't want you to leave. I just want someone else to convene us and keep us focused on what matters. And maybe it's a small group of us. But don't. That's an interesting perspective. Because convening is where the power for community resides. And convening includes what's worth talking about. And you and three others will know that and tell them, you just don't, don't leave what you've created. We just 
you just don't know have you don't have to carry it any longer. Yeah, and it, and it's his life's work. He's not going to yeah. leave, leave. But there exactly. is a sort and of figurehead. It's a group of conveners. And because yeah. the questions you have will always be there. With now, what? Now, what? it's a story about a life. I've still got them. I'm 81 years into it, for God's sake. Are you that old? I didn't no, think you were that no, old. I don't look a day over 78. And, uh, I was going to say, you don't look a day over 100, but I'm from the construction industry. I like to tease people. <laughs> but I'm just saying that, you know, what's the point? Is the, that's the leadership. And that's what you can do through the media. And just thank you. And thank you. I, I was thinking as you were speaking there, although I was listening, uh, a, a, a good opportunity to uh, end. Most people end with a plug. Um, you may or may not want to do that, but what about inviting people to continue the conversation with you or interacting with you in some way? Uh, how would you like to do that? You know, I, there's two organizations I'm connected to. One is called Designed Learning. Designed Learning. I'm going to write this Designed stuff down. Learning, It'll be in the you show. Know, .com, which runs all kinds of things around these ideas. And the other is called the Common Good Collective. And you can, and those are places that I've been intimately involved in. And, uh, you know, people need to be part of a cohort, part of a community. You can organize it. And, then, and we're connected now. There's nothing we can do about that. We're friends now. So if I coming Absolutely. back or anything works for you, let me know. Maybe I should join this community. How do you, how do you become a member of the? the uh, you say I like Cardano and I want to know about the community. It's not even there's a voting thing you do that, that's kind of being enabled. You'd have to be a cryptocurrency owner to can, to be qualified to vote. One? So there's a. Uh, well, technically, the threshold is three thousand, but uh, there's security, cryptographic security reasons and technical reasons for that. Okay. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll just settle to, for being a friend of yours. Yeah, no, you're a friend of the show, so you're already involved, and uh, and and making yourself available if anybody would want to, which I know you would, anyways. Um, if you're into if you're into the cryptocurrency space, you're already one of us. I am now, and we're we're proud to be associated with you as well. I'm stoked to a degree that I'm not comfortable describing that you joined us. And I look forward to your success. Let me, let me ask you one more question. How did it go? Okay. How did our conversation? Yeah. What did it mean to you? Uh, what did it mean to me? How did it go? Uh, well, I guess if I was trying to rate it, how did it go was maybe like a I, one out of 10 or 10 out of 10 feels silly. Uh, I was trying to have no expectations because I didn't really want to dominate the conversation too much uh from the beginning but uh you know this is brilliant this is exactly the type of thing i wanted to that's why i was so stoked when you said yes it's been we've been emailing for like a month uh you know when you said yes uh so early and stuff i was like hell yes this is brilliant this is and i you know i wish i had joe rogan numbers or something like that so that everyone in the world everyone in the world could hear everything that's not going to happen no. right but i think uh, i think it's to me it's absolutely brilliant so it was worth taking the day off from the job that I don't like that much. <laughs> Thank you. Be in touch if I can support you in any way. Let me know. 
I really, I will repeatedly invite you on the show and then also bully you to use your Rolodex to have other, it turns out when you start a podcast, you're in desperate need of guests all the time. Let me help you with that. I I have a long list. I will utilize you to the best of our ability. That's the criteria. Who, where are these little weeds, little blades of grass? And I, somebody once said this, and I love that. It says, the future always exists in the present. You just have to find it. I'll help. I, honestly, that's a saying of mine. We live in the future. We live in the future. People think the future's coming. I'm like, you can fly to space. I'm talking to a dude in Cincinnati. You can spray. If people are burn victims, you can spray a spray on the that's got stem cells on them, and they'll heal quicker. Like the, t- We live in the future. Yeah, and, and and we live in a future that we chose, we created. That's the, that's what you really represent. That's the aliveness is I'm, the feeling that, that I did, and I feel that way. You know, I'm near the end, and I feel okay. I've done many things that I don't feel good about. So what? I live my life, you know, and mm-hmm. and net net, I'll take it. You're already there, and you're still a baby. So goodbye. thank you sir thank you very much okay everyone that's the show big thanks to Peter Block for being on check out his contact info and websites and books and all of that if you are interested in joining his tribe and learning more of that perspective his links are in the description stay tuned for the next episode where we interview a real life Florida man who knows what will happen And yeah, thanks for listening. Peace. Okay, guys, bonus content. 10 episodes, 1,000 downloads. I just looked, 1,002. 1,002? So what I thought I'd do, and I'm not going to do a lot of editing and all this. Um, If the jokes don't land, the jokes don't land. That's how it is. Uh... I'm not going to do a lot of cleaning up of audio in between things where I like my mouth makes noises and stuff like that. Uh, so we could sound pretty terrible, but I wanted to do shout outs, but I don't know who people are. I just have a bit of an idea of where my views come from. So right now my number one episode ever downloaded, uh, still less than 200, but the number one episode is, uh, with Martin Men here, right? It just came out a little while ago on May 18th. And so he's my number one episode of all time. I can go to my little, my little page in Buzzsprout and it says view episode stats. Okay. Episode stats, uh, Google podcasts is where I get most of my traffic and it has countries and territories and cities with the amount of unique downloads per city, and per country. As you might expect, uh, most most of my listens come from the United States. It says actually 56%, 13% from Canada. Uh, sounds like I got a few people from the Netherlands at 5%. But what I wanted to do is actually look at the cities. And I actually do look at these cities and find it interesting because it's like, what the hell? people are listening to me from like, you have no idea. It says, see all cities. So I, I'm going to see all cities now. Again, small podcast. I'm stoked to be 
at a thousand downloads total, but I get that that's small. But when I see that I have people in the Philippines or Ireland, or uh, I get a lot of, not a lot, but I, I notice Australia, it just kind of trips me out. Where, where the hell are all these people listening from? So we'll start at the top. I don't know what's going on in Columbus, Ohio, but constantly I get multiple different unique downloads from Columbus, Ohio. And I'm just going to assume that it's, it's every person, right? It says, it says 10% of this episode's downloads were in Columbus, Ohio. What the hell is going on in Columbus, Ohio that people like is, I think Ken Adams is in Columbus. I know he's in Ohio. So did he tell like a dozen people about me? He would have told me. I just talked to him the other day for his YouTube channel. In every episode, my most number of of people comes from Columbus. I'm pretty sure I'm famous in Columbus. Uh, My apologies, Columbus, if you're listening. I don't know anything about you. I don't know your hockey team. No, Columbus Blue Jackets. I know the hockey team. I'm Canadian. Uh, I'm actually not into hockey, but I would be drug out in the street and shot. I'm in Edmonton, for God's sake. We have a picture. We have a statue of Wayne Gretzky uh, down by the old Coliseum. There's people I still work with that are, that hate Peter Pocklington from the eighties for trading Gretzky to, uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> they still have, it's like their own personal, uh, terrorist attack or something that they just haven't gotten over. Uh, the next one is Damon North Holland. North Holland knows me. Uh, I've never heard of that place. I don't know who's there, but shout out to Demon, D-I-E-M-E-N. I see you, Demon. What's up? That's going to be mostly what all this is, is me saying, I see you there. What's up? It's like Romper Room. Remember Romper Room when you, when the, the girl ha- held up the magic mirror and say, I said, I see Kevin and Marty and Billy. That's what this is, but I don't know who you are. There's another Ohio. Uh, Hugh, H-O-U-G-H, how, how, how Ohio, what's up? I see all 3% of you, but that's like six people, seven people. What? In one town? I don't get it. Montreal, Quebec. I know Montreal, obviously. Shout out to Montreal. Uh, I think as I'm recording, this is something to do with, with the playoffs. Somebody at work is rooting for the Habs. Good for you, or uh, too bad you lost. I'm literally not paying attention. Moncton, New Brunswick. What's up, New Brunswick? Uh, I got viewers. Four people in Atlanta, Georgia, listen to this episode. I know that that's small numbers, but what? Four people in Atlanta, Georgia? I don't get it. Shout out to Atlanta, Georgia. I like lemon pepper wings. <laughs> uh, Sydney, New South Wales. Sydney, New South Wales. Uh, is that? I honestly, I'd have to Google that. You know what? This is my show. Sydney, city in Australia. New South. Okay. Yeah. 
Sydney, Australia. All right, man. We're going to maps. You're going to get a special shout out because you're in Australia. Uh, shout out to, as I zoom in here, Strathfield. <laughs> what up, Burwood Heights? What up, Aunt Anna Dale? I see you. Uh, I got listeners in Ches- Chesapeake, Virginia, Dallas, Texas, Rutland, Vermont. I've never heard of Rutland, Vermont. There's two different people listening to me in Rutland, Vermont. What about, oh, this one's going to suck. Ma- Mast- Maastricht, Limburg. Limburg, is that Germany? I'm doing another Google. Uh, control A, control V. Oh, Netherlands. Shout out to the Netherlands. I'm seeing all kinds of Netherlands. And you know what? I'm one of those dudes that's like, unfortunately, Netherlands, I apologize. I'm one of those dudes that's like, I don't know the difference between all the different Netherlands and the different Dutch. I just sort of assume it's all the same thing because you're all six foot tall and blonde. And like, I got lots of Europeans that listen to the show, I think. And it's like, I'm just that guy that thinks you wear tight shirts and white jeans. <laughs> and, and But shout out to the Netherlands. Mas, Maastricht? Maastricht. But it's, it's going to have a German pronunciation. Maastricht. It looks like it's by Dusseldorf. Oh. And Brussels and Antwerp. So that's near Belgium. I know Belgium. Sort of. I've never been there. Okay, here's another uh, Two different people have listened to the show in Tampere, Perkanma, Perkanma, Tampere, Perkanma. Is that like a Vietnam or Cambodia? Control C. I've seen some of these Finland. See, I did it again. I thought that, that it was different or that you're all the same people and Finland people are probably super pissed at me. Okay, so this is a little place in, I don't recognize any of these names, bro. Uh, okay, north of Helsinki, Tempir. I bet I'm saying that wrong. Shout out to Finland. Uh, I don't know anything about Finland. San Jose, California. Edmonton, Alberta. Um, I don't listen to my own show. <clears throat> Not through the podcast anyway. It's too cringe. <laughs> but uh there's possibility I know who that is. I, I work with one or two people that now know my that I'm doing a show, so that might be them. Uh or it could be the economist I'm having on. Toronto, Ontario. Uh shout out to the T dot. Victoria in Melbourne, Australia. That one I get. I think they have the Victoria Falls there, or is that in Africa? Somebody's listening to me in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh Jakarta. Is Jakarta in... Wow, I'm so ignorant. I want to say South Africa, but I've been totally wrong. It's probably in the freaking Netherlands. Indonesia? Somebody's listening to me in Indonesia. I don't even know what they speak in Indonesia. Indonese? (laughs) Jakarta? What? Hold on, I'm zooming out. This is on some kind of island. Bro. Somebody's listening to me in Jakarta, Indonesia, which is a chain of islands close to Singapore and Australia. 
Except that the Earth is flat, so that's probably all wrong. Zurich. I mean, everyone knows Zurich. Someone's listening to me in Manhattan. Again, two people. Let me take a drink of this water. Two people listen to me in Manhattan. Uh, I secretly hope that it's the Beastie Boys. If it is the Beastie Boys, hook me up with a license to use uh, Get It Together <laughs> on my as an intro. But it's probably not. At Rock and uh, Michael Diamond. Seattle, Washington. Shout out to Washington. I've been to your airport. Sankt Gallen. Well, okay, so this is going to be Europe somewhere where I piss off more Nor- Norwegians, but I got to Google you. Switzerland. No. Yeah. Okay. Switzerland. I get Zurich, Switzerland, and Sankt Gallen, Switzerland. So. Zurich, I think, could be uh, Rene. I know Rene, the guest on the show, listens to the show, and he's in Switzerland. So one of these Switzerland is Rene. The other one's not Rene. Rene's not my only listener in Switzerland. That means I have two Swiss listeners. Oh, this one I know. Oslo, Norway. All right. Shout out to Oslo. Uh, another New Brunswick. A place called Bushwick, New York. I didn't know New York had a place called Bushwick. Somebody's listening in Los Angeles. Uh, this says Leinster, Dublin. So that must be like a, a suburb of Dublin, Ireland. Rancho Cucamonga, California. A couple Californias, uh, but Rancho Cucamonga has got to be the best name in California. Morris Heights, New York. Now, my apologies, New York, but like Morris Heights sounds like Brownville or like, like, isn't there only five boroughs? Like, what does that mean? Morris Heights, Bronx, Morris Heights is in the Bronx. Somebody is listening to me in the fricking Bronx. What? Bruh. I didn't do any research. I can't even shout out any rappers from the Bronx. <laughs> Jenny from the block. <laughs> What's up, Jenny from the block? Shout out to University Ave and Sedgwick Ave and West Tremont Ave. Somebody's listening to me. If you live in the Bronx and you're listening to the to you, this is you. Windsor, Ontario. You know what? I'm so familiar with Canada that I apologize. Windsor and Ontarians to not make a big deal out of you. Uh, but I mean, come on. It's Ontario. It's Windsor. Shout out to Detroit. Araruma, <laughs> uh, Rio de Janeiro. So this is another Brazil. I know I have one or two Brazilian listeners. I don't know how that all happened, but my first guy on the podcast was Victor Corsino, and he lives in... He lives in... Brazil, I believe he lives in Rio, so there's a chance that this is Victor. I guess I wouldn't want to dox him, but I think I just did. My apologies. Uh, our, our room. Yo, man. I don't know anything about Rio. Oh, it's way off to the right-hand side. Like, Rio's like 
on the on the water. So is this place. But this is like, this is way far away. But it says it's in Rio. I guess they just sort of have like giant jurisdictions over there because everything's jungle. Aruma. It's by Barbudo Beach. I'm, I'm curious to put this on on like Street View or satellite. This place looks like it's probably like uh, a really nice place for tourist type stuff, even though Brazil can be a little bit tough. Our Araruma. Shout out to the Vira Vista Hotel. <laughs> Forty six dollars a night, two stars. We have free Wi Fi. Omaha, Nebraska. I've been to Nebraska. Uh, North Butte. Oh, it's been so long. I don't remember, but I haven't been to Omaha. Sk- uh, Skelmersdale, England. This segment's running super long, but I don't care. It's my show. Where's Skelmer? Skelmersdale. <laughs> that sounds like a, another Pokemon. England by Cambridge. <clears throat> Oh, it's by the Best Western. Skelmersdale. This place is surrounded by, like, green fields. I don't recognize any of this stuff. Uh, I'm going to go back to out of... Skelmersdale, St. Helens. Oh, north of... North... East of Liverpool. All right. This is, like, obscure for me. Someone in the middle of, like, this is a small place. Uh, town in Lanc- Lancashire on the River Todd. T-A- it's not spelled T-O-D-D. T-A-W-D, of course. Whoa, 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 wait. Population in 2006, okay, of 38,813. It's also known locally as Skim. Uh... Uh, aside from your crazy names that make no sense, uh, 38,000 in 2006, that means it's like maybe 50,000 now, assuming it's growing. I've lived in towns the size of that. So I know what that size is. I've lived in Red Deer. It had 70,000. What the hell? That means like literally just people like apologies, England, middle of nowhere. It, it blows my mind. Uh, Fairfield, Connecticut. All Oildale, California, Oviedo, Florida. I haven't heard of any of these places. Imperial, California. There's a Lebanon in Pennsylvania. You know what? I see Pennsylvania every once in a while. There's people in Pennsylvania in multiple places. There's another one coming up. Pennsylvania listens to the show. What up, Pennsylvania? Seoul, Korea, Auckland. Uh, is Auckland in New Zealand or Australia? <laughs> I just pissed off an entire amount of people. Auckland. It said Auckland, yeah, New Zealand. It's probably the capital, isn't it? So many people just got mad at me in Auckland. Uh, North Vancouver. I wonder if that's my buddy. Uh, another Brazilian. Uh, Cara Picubia in Sao Paulo. Oh, wait a minute. Buenos Aires. Someone's listening to me in Buenos Aires, Argentina? What? Here's that Pennsylvania, Lansdale. Another Florida, Sarasota. Um, uh oh. Uh oh, this is a hard one. Uh, I don't, I don't think this is Norwegian or whatever. Panville, Mar, 
Maharashtra. Mandel. <laughs> Maharashtra. 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 I had to use my uh, grade three phonetics. India. Jesus H. Someone's listening to me in India? Don't tell me you're trying to learn about anything important from me in India. It's highly populated due to its closeness to Mumbai. What? I have someone who listens to me and I've seen my, I've seen that place, Panville, on a different episode, which gave me the idea to do this. I was like, yo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through this list. I was looking at a different, a different show. So this guy, this guy or girl has heard more than one episode. If you're in India, this is you. You're my India person in Panville, Maharashtra. What? It makes, and it's by Mumbai. That makes little to no sense. Uh, some of these I still do recognize. Lake Forest, California. Uh, turns out there's a place called Oregon in Ohio. That's weird. Tesla, Oklahoma. (laughs) Another Nebraska. I'm big in Nebraska. What's up, Winnebago? If you live in Winnebago and you heard this, uh, this is you. I see you. You've been seen. You can feel seen. Lima. Lima, Peru, I've had the best sandwich I've ever had was in the Lima airport. <laughs> Turkey bacon club with avocado on white bread. Get it if you're ever there. Pooskeepsie, New York. How come New York has weird, like, maritime names sometimes? I don't understand, like, the origin. What's P-O-U-G-H-keepsie? Pookeepsie. Where do you live? I live in Pookeepsie. What? Uh, East London, East London, Eastern Cape. I don't know what that is, but it's East London. Sometimes this thing gives you like the little districts. This just says Har, Hare Hare. So I have to Google that. So many of these. This is not script. Zimbabwe? What? Hare Zimbabwe. Yo, the capital is Zimbabwe. Who's listening to me in Zimbabwe? What? Shout out to Lake Chiervo. Y'all got some lakes on the on the west. This is crazier than I thought it was going to be. I just wanted to see. Somebody's listening to me in Zimbabwe. At least once. Morgantown, West Virginia. What up? There's a place called Flower Mound in Texas. Uh, okay. Altamira Para? Altamira. Yo, I don't apologize for not knowing where Altamira is, man. Brazil. I'm, I'm all about Brazil. What's up, Brazil? I've been to Peru. I haven't been to Brazil. Marysville, Washington. I don't know y'all. Okay, here's another one. Dun, 
Dundalk. <laughs> I swear to God, I graduated high school. I didn't do well. Uh, Dundalk Leinster. Yo, this doesn't even, this doesn't even tell me. Ireland. Okay. That's been a couple Irelands. Dundalk, Leinster, Ireland. Uh, what's it, is there anything by? It's right on the water, which is, I, honestly, I don't know what that water is. I guess that's ocean because I'm, Ireland is, a, is an island. So that's the Atlantic. I guess you're north of Dublin by a ways. Who the hell is listening to me in Ireland? Johannesburg. Okay, South Africa. What's up? Warren Township, New Jersey. Sacramento. Ventura. Um, I'm kind of giving proportional time and attention to the places that I, are crazy to me. So, you know, no offense, Ventura, but what's up? I enjoy your boulevard in Los Angeles. Um, yo, this is another island. Port, Port Darlington, Laos, La, Laui, L-A-O-I-S, Port Arlington, Port Arlington, I can say that. It's on the west, no, east, it's east of Dublin. Shout out to, all right, let me zoom in. This is a small place. Yo, you're like, how many people are here? 8,368. In a town of 8,000, I have a listener in Ireland. This is literally, if this is you, this is you. Like, what's up, Ireland? That's a small town. You have to... The river barrel forms the border. Oh, okay. The river going through the center of your place. That's the craziest thing. I've lived in a 5,000 person town before too. It's called Old Alberta. So I understand how small that place is. Oh, somebody in Bucharest listens. Is that Romania? Fairbanks, Alaska? Are you even, how, how is that possible? Uh, Okay, um, <clears throat> this is going to be a, another European. I can tell a little bit. It's called Kidapawan Soxargen. Kidapawan Soxargen. Uh, I'm an idiot. It's in the Philippines. What? And it's like a district by Davao City in the Philippines. I'm not even sure. It just has like a, it doesn't have much on Google Maps. It literally says a population of 150,000 people. Oh, okay. There, I zoom in. It gives me a little bit. Yeah, okay. What? <laughs> on Google, it just shows a picture of a crazy grassy mountain. Quebec. What's up, Quebec? Uh, Santa Cruz. I guess that's California. Charleston. Kingston, Lower Saxony, Washington, place in New Zealand I've never heard of, Haslev, a couple Texases, Oregon, Missouri, California again, another Texas, Salt Lake City, what up Salt Lake, 
Washington, New Jersey, Kentucky. What is a Hovids? Ho, her, her live. Her live Hovidstan? Denmark. What up, Denmark? Oh, this is a big place. This is Copenhagen. This is a little, pl- uh, like a suburb of Copenhagen or whatever. Okay. I understand that. I don't understand why, but I understand that you exist. What's up? San Francisco. Uh, England. I don't know what a Ramon Kagan Valley. People, that's the craziest thing. It's people from everywhere. People, oh, more Philippines. Why are Philippines people listening to me? That doesn't make any sense. What are you doing, Philippines? Way north of Manila. Way north of Manila. I think, anyways. So to me, this looks like a small... This is like... To me, this must be rural Philippines. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is like a big metropolis, but I kind of don't think so. It's on the river. And a reservoir. It's kind of a lot of water. For all one of you that is still listening... Uh, Carolina, Jersey, Texas. There's a couple different Austin, Texas, I think, which is weird because I thought they would add them in the same line. Arizona. Someone in Airdrie. What's up, Alberta? Someone in Calgary. That might be my homeboy. Florida. Illinois. More California. More California. Georgia. Ohio. Another Ohio. I'm the man in Ohio. New York. Connecticut. Wisconsin. Queensland. Brisbane. Right, good, mate. Missouri, Minnesota. That kind of that kind of starts to round it out there. Missouri, Minnesota. There's another Missouri. I mean, this is my my number one downloaded episode. Oh, another Pennsylvania. Uh, so it's just crazy to me to see. Obviously, the places that I have no, I'm too ignorant to know that you exist or or what's going on there. Uh, but it's crazy to look through these lists of these places. These people, and it's, it's just one, one person in Oildale, California, one listen in Lake Forest, California, one listen in Leinster, Dundalk, which I believe that was the Ireland one, one person in Fairbanks, Alaska, but it's still one person in Fairbanks, Alaska. What's up, Fairbanks? You know what I mean? So that's a thousand, a thousand and two total downloads. This extra segment was 25 minutes long, which, oh my God. If you're still listening to this 25-minute segment in Fairbanks, Alaska, uh, then I don't know, man. Shout out to you. Or lady. Shout out to you. What's happening? Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next 10 episodes and uh, the next 1,000 downloads. Thank you very much.